0: Hello and welcome to the 200th episode of the Get French Football News show. 200 episodes, that's almost five years of GFFN bringing its content to your ears. And today we continue in our usual style. We'll bring to you the dazzling performance from Neymar as PSG win in Lille, a debut goal from Carl Tokwakambi for Lyon, transfer stories including the possible arrival of a world champion to Ligue 1, and lots more. I'm your host Pierre-Paul Birmingham. With me today, as usual, Mohamed Ali. Hello. Uh, Mo, tell us which is the greatest achievement of these two, because we're not the only ones to celebrate a 200th this weekend. Maxwell Cornet also made his 200th appearance for <laughs> OL.
1: Exactly. Um, so celebrations all around, um, <laughs> and of course, for everybody. 200th yeah, came for Cornet. He's despite having perhaps a love-hate relationship with his club uh well club's fans rather he's clearly um you know brings something to the table and indispensable as as are we to this podcast so um yeah the 200th uh milestone is obviously a very great um part you know a great evening to take part in
0: yeah we're very lucky to have the visit of jeremy smith here today hello jeremy how many of these shows have you been on uh nowhere near two hundred.
2: Um I'm gonna guess maybe around fifty? Not sure. Oh
0: wow. Oh I figured more, but I haven't been here for the whole ride. I, I don't know exactly. Mo, do you uh, do you haven't pos- beat? possibly
2: more? I think I'm getting muddled up between the Monday and Thursday shows.
0: Ah.
1: I think probably around thirty. Um stretching yeah. over the full five years, but not too bad. <laughs> oh,
0: that's somewhere around me. And uh, we have a special guest on this occasion, Mr Julien Laurent.
3: Hello guys, it's a great pleasure to be with you.
0: It's great to have you on, uh, and actually, I believe, Julien, that you were here for the 100th episode.
3: I think so, yeah, I was trying to think, but yeah, I think so, definitely, that rings a bell, yeah.
0: Yes, I, I went through the GFN archives to, to find this information, so um, look forward to having you in, in another 100, or maybe a little yeah, bit definitely. sooner. <laughs> <laughs> um. Of course, listeners, you may have heard or, or read Julien on ESPN, BT Sport, RMC Sport, and, and a number of other outlets. And so we're very grateful that you found time for us uh, in between all of those commitments. I'm, uh,
3: glad I did. I'm glad I did.
0: Right. Let's begin today with Lille nil PSG 2, less than a year after the uh, 5-1 victory, which was the climax of Lille's wonderful season last season. PSG returned to the north to set the record straight with a brace from Neymar. Julien, i let you get the ball rolling here. Just how great was his performance?
3: I think it was, it was outstanding, really. And for all of us who've been following him closely since he joined the club, um, two and a half years ago now, I think he's he's playing at a level that we haven't seen him play yet in France. I think it's a level that maybe in his Barcelona years and in his Santos year or with Brazil, I haven't I'm not sure I've seen him playing that well, that consistently. There's a, there's a big debate right now in France, as you know, about he might be the best player we've ever seen in, in French top-flight history. You know, better than Ibra, better than George Weah, better than Platini, better than Zidane, better than Ronaldinho, better than Scobla, and all those guys, whatever era, whatever period of time. I think it's a great debate, and I think we, sh- we should all be lucky that we have him right now, because I, I don't know how long he will last, but... I thought on Sunday he controlled the whole game. The pace of it, obviously scored a break, the first goal being an incredible goal, both collectively and individually as well. Mm-hmm. And I just think that when he's playing on that level, it's, 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 it's quite logical that the other three of the four fantastic, and Pape Icardi and Dimaya are maybe a level below because Neymar is just so high and that the, the team just simply plays for him and he does all the whole difference by himself
0: and mo and jeremy I, I think i overheard you before the show uh i have one of you I, i'm not i don't remember who saying that maybe all the praise that neymar was getting after that match was a little bit excessive am i right uh that was me i was just saying as a as a general
2: thing i think sometimes in leki they go a little bit overboard mm. but you know certainly the the form that he's been in in recent weeks has, has been fantastic and um as the she alluded to the the other members of the of the cad fantastique and they're not in such great form at the moment and i think it feels a little bit like maybe people have short memories because it it wasn't that long ago that icardi had scored like 17 and 18 games and mbappe was about to to break the record of goals in in the most consecutive games for psg so um yeah they're all in a little bit of a blip at the moment and neymar is showing that you know when he's fit and when he's interested he 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 can run the show all by himself but um I think it's it works well for p s g that the other players i'm not saying that they're they're sort of having a rest, but you know that that they can have that little bit of a dip in form and someone else is still covering for them and that's the great thing about all these players that there is scope that even if one or two of them have a little bit of a dip, they've still got so many world class players there that um, it, it doesn't affect PSG's sort of romp to the title and, and hopefully will we'll, um, you know, if they all stay fit especially Neymar then they can really have a good go at the Champions League this year
0: And Mo um, about those other two forwards Mbappé and Icardi Mbappé missed a few chances on Sunday but you know maybe it's not enough really to worry but Icardi has only had two shots in his, his last three matches for PSG what, what do you make of his form at the moment?
1: Um, I think it's probably levelled out a little bit, um, and it's helped by the fact that you know Neymar's becoming more and more proficient. Um, he's been more active in sort of PSG's final third. He's he's getting more creative uh, as well, and you know just underlining how productive he is. Um, and that sort of helped or sort of allowed PSG to sort of become under reliant a little bit on Icardi, as probably was the case earlier on. Uh, where Icardi had to sort of step up because Neymar was injured and Mbappe wasn't sort of hundred percent yet Cavani was still a little bit frozen out So it was really left on Icardi to sort of develop and be the focal point now Obviously, it's where the prime of the fantastic four uh, where all four uh, sort of the fours have played an extended period of time together and so responsibilities have sort of been balanced out etc And Neymar being sort of the mercurial talent that he is, he's enjoying his best sort of scoring form um, since, the, like like Julian said, the early Barcelona days, I think the 2015 season start 2015 season, when he scored I think 14 goals in the first 11 or 12 La Liga games, um, he's enjoying a great run of form, and that's probably why where PSG have been less reliant than others. But that's not to say that Icardi is not offering um, sort of anything uh, to to the attack. He's still obviously a threat um, in, in the build up, etc. But you know, all the focus is rightly on Neymar at the moment.
0: Yeah, and, and truly, I just want to say, emphasize again, his first goal was was quite incredible. It was dizzying, really, and I think even watching that, you had a similar reaction to what Benjamin André, who was just in front of him, kind of had, where he didn't know which way to turn, which way to look, because Neymar starts juggling and then cuts one way and the other. And you see as well on the slow-mo replay, Mike Mignon diving over to the left with his right arm up, and it's a, it looks like a terrific, you know, attempt to save it because he comes so so close to that ball up in the corner but it's just too good and 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 placed w- with <clears throat> with the right pace and and beats him um Julien at the back Tanguy Kwasi made another appearance after uh last week he scored in the Coupe de la Ligue semi-final against Reims uh he came on for a hurt Thiago Silva at half time what do you think of him as a prospect for PSG
3: I think he's incredible at seventeen. I mean, the, the confidence he's showing, the composure, especially. I mean, there was around the around the hour mark, there was a, a some of the deliveries and the accuracy of the deliveries. It was just, he was calm. He was like I said, composed. He can play obviously as a central midfielder, and and he's still a bit raw. You could you could you could see that obviously, but I think he's got huge potential, and and I think he's he's a, he's the kind of player that the team needs right now. Even if he's still very young, and like we said, he's still very well, I think he can, he can really help the team, even if he's just like a 10-minute or 15-minute cameo, at some point to bring a bit of physicality and, and you know, the, the, that kind of aspect to the, to the PSG game, if, 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 need, if, if they need it. It's a shame that he, he hasn't yet signed a new deal. And, and, you know, from what I've heard, he's still very close to RB Leipzig, probably closer to Leipzig than he is to PSG, which would be a shame. Um, because I think he's got really something special that if put in the right environment he can develop, I think he can become a great player.
0: And guys, what did you make of Lille's performance in the match? For me,
2: they, they started very brightly and Arajo had a fantastic shot that, that Navas turned over the bar and I guess if if that had gone in then then possibly it could have gone a little bit differently. Um, they were slightly unlucky with 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 refereeing decisions which we might come to but um mm-hmm. overall I thought it, they the build-up was decent enough but there was just there was very very little in the final third and and I think they they quickly ran out of ideas and, and PSG were pretty comfortable in the end but I think you know as, as Gatia said that there's a big gap between the two and they don't have any anywhere near the same kind of momentum or feel-good factor that they had at at the end of of last season in the corresponding match. So, um, you know, although although that was their first, I I think it was their first home defeat of the season, it still feels like this team's kind of feeling their way. And, you know, one week they play well, the next week Gautier needs to give them a, you know, (laughs) kind of dressing down in the dressing room after the match. And um, I don't think they've entirely clicked yet. And uh, considering that you know, the players they lost in the summer i think that they're still kind of making a good fist of the season but obviously when you compare it to the the euphoria of last year it's it's difficult to maintain that standard
0: yeah and as you said they started well i thought and especially on the pressing they had some you know they kind of cornered psg on a few occasions in the, in the first half especially when psg for example would play out from from play out on a short goal kick uh sometimes the lead forwards would kind of jump at them and and really put them under pressure and i thought they should have done better with the you know chances they got from from that kind of from those positions obtaining the ball that high up the pitch now as you say jeremy that's a point i don't usually want to bring up but i thought was did change the match yesterday was the refereeing André benjamin andre got a yellow card which was completely imaginary which obviously hindered his you know way of playing for for the rest of the match and he had to come off early as well subbed off to avoid getting you know a second yellow card because he kind of does kick down players but on this occasion it was undeserved and in that Period during which Lille i mean, there's some small calls as well that went against Lille in a period where they were playing kind of dominating. You know, they should have had a corner and things like that, which usually isn't too bad. But then, what did you guys think of the what happened for the penalty, the second goal? Um,
1: Yeah, no, it was quite a contentious uh, penalty. I think we saw it sort of the same thing early on in the evening in 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 the FA Cup in England. Um, But I guess you know, under the current rules, a handball is a handball. Um, whether you like it or not, whether it's, um, you know, it's the rule that needs to change. But for me, I found that probably less contentious.
0: But surely, I mean, because just before that, right, before the counterattack, Jonathan Nicone gets fouled, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, pretty severely outside the PSG box.
1: Yeah, no, yeah.
0: Does that, shouldn't that maybe invalidate the, the, well, like, you know that the handball shouldn't have happened because of that mistake there
1: i completely ag- i completely agree um but obviously i think it, looking at the referee um Delarue's decision um we sort of completely overruled the, the the initial foul and just focused straight on the handball using that as a mm. single point single flash point um i don't probably i don't agree with it in terms of the way the build-up has you know led to that decision uh, but I can also see that once he's sort of just looked at the handball in isolation, um, that is, he's given it. But you know, like you said, there's no t- sort of discussion that he's had a very poor game. Um, whether it had an overbearing effect on the result, uh, probably less so. Because, um, yes, I mean, they've lost their sort of, you know, one of their best midfielders um, to, to avoid uh, a potential second yellow. Um, it was also an early yellow card for a centre back, etc. Um but you know, it is PSG we're talking about. It is a PSG who were largely in cruise control for most of that second half as well. Um, as they settled down. And you know, where they where, if you know if they needed another goal, if they needed to step up, they would have probably made uh, you know, really good efforts to do so. Um mm. so I I wouldn't say they had a massive overbearing result, but obviously, you know, it helps a little uh, in sort of digesting the defeat, so so be it.
0: Right. Uh, Julien, I had a more general question about PSG for you. You know, we've had a lot of talk in the media, and we've talked about it a little bit as well, about you know Tuchel's persistence with the 4-4-2 and and playing his four attacking players. And I wanted to ask you: um, Do you think, you know, that you think we're right to question his uh, that choice and always kind of look forward to Dortmund and so on, or should we have? Should we trust him with his decision to, well, with his decisions on a match-to-match basis and and adapting to the opponent?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting one. I think it's a fascinating debate to have. And I think he, I think he, probably changes. He probably changes in his mind a lot as well. I think there are times where he thinks, you know what, these these four-four-two can work against anyone, even against Liverpool, even against Dortmund, even against Bayern, against Real Madrid or Barcelona or Man City, we could do that because I trust Di Maria to do, to put in the, ex, the extra effort to defend, you know, I think Neymar could do that job, I think Mbappe and Icardi, because it's one of those big games and they want to go find the Champions League, etc., etc., they can also... They can also sort of sacrifice themselves defensively, mm. and I think there are other times where you think this is never going to work, you know, the, the team is not balanced enough. It's too risky. We left. We are left to expose at the back in midfield. If you play Variety and someone else, Variety is not the most defensive-minded player. Let's be honest. He loves. He loves having the ball. That's what he likes, and, and throwing himself on the floor and tackling people mm-hmm. like in a field or grabbing the shorts of someone or making a slight tackle because that's, because he's a big kid. But but defensively, in terms of defensive work and in terms of breaking down the attack and be a bit, of, you know, that making those tactical fouls, this is not what he does best, really. So it's I, I don't know. I if I was to hold, I would be really really torn between the two. I think he is. I think a lot of people are. You know, if you tell me you can win with that four four two, I say, of course, yeah, let's go. But I would, even me, I would be like, mm, I'm not so sure. And if you go away at home in the first leg of that last 16 in, in three weeks' time, I think you play safe and you play in a 4-3-3 formation, and and you're far more secure in that first leg. And then away, well fr- uh, then sorry, and then back at home, maybe you you play differently and you can play the four together. Then, but it's tricky, and I'm I'm still not convinced that two being as pragmatic, I mean, as German as he is really, that he would go and, and take all those risks, especially from him going back to Dortmund as well. So it's it's a great one. It, the only issue I have is if you play two defensive fullbacks, so let's forget about you know Bernhardt and, and Meunier, for example, and you play Diallo and Kerrer, who mm. are centre-backs as fullbacks, then maybe it might work a bit better, and then I would even question to start variety and, and instead play, I don't know, gay and Marquinhos, Marquinhos and Paredes, or something like that, to have a, a really strong defensive base, in, in the two in the field, because they would have to run more than than anyone else. So it's I uh, I don't know, I, I've got no, I'm, I, I, I've got no answer, and I'm not sure Tuchel has an answer right now either. No, that's that's an interesting
0: debate, I guess, and we can we can only wait and see what's going to happen in the meantime psg play away to third division beau in the coupe de france uh that's on wednesday Po, who beat bordeaux in the last round so um giant slayers there but fingers uh, crossed <laughs> um and and before we move on uh Julien, we obviously we want to uh hear the latest news about psg's transfers in this in, in this window which closes on the 31st Um, Tell us what the situation is with Edinson Cavani.
3: So uh, the latest I've heard or I was told today was that um, PSG are still expecting Atletico Madrid to make a second offer, an improved offer from the the first one, which was 10 million euros. So something around the 15 million mark, maybe a little bit more, which I think PSG would be likely to accept. Uh, They kind of expected it to be today on Monday it didn't happen they still think that it would happen between Tuesday and Wednesday and that Cavani can 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 leave and, and go to Atletico Madrid but nothing has been moving uh, on the Spanish side of things is it because some people at the club don't think it's a good idea to spend that kind of money right now on him when he would be free in in five months time maybe but Diego Simone has made it really clear to his you know, to his president and to the Iraqi of the club that he wants, he wants him now. And, and that without someone like Cavani in the side, it wouldn't be a very, um, the season wouldn't be maybe as successful as it would be with him for the, for the remaining of the season. So I still expect this one to happen in the next 48 hours for the, the Knozawa, the Shigeo swap. Yeah. I mean, for me, it makes, it's one that makes no sense whatsoever at the beginning. Uh, I don't see why Juve will come by getting Kurzava. I don't see why PSG will come by getting the deal at all. Um, and it's been a bit quiet today. Keya Jarradshen has been a bit quiet as well. And so you Michael Silvest, who uh, works with him on that deal. So I'm still a bit skeptical about that. Although PSG didn't seem um, too worried about the fact that this one could still happen.
0: Okay, uh, and maybe maybe a change in environment is just what Curzava needs to kind of get his career started again. Um, maybe need,
3: in a... a sport, I think.
0: Uh, sorry?
3: I think he needs another sport, more oh, than another dear. environment. <laughs> you know? I, don't, I just don't think he's good enough for Juventus. I don't think he would have been good enough for Arsenal. And I'm, and I'm getting aware that this, there was not much truth in the fact that they were linked uh, with him. Um, you know, I think he's a decent player, but he's, he's nowhere near good enough for those kind of top sides. I mean, for him to reject Inter Milan, when you see what Inter Milan are... A building at the moment with Conte is just pure craziness, I think. So let's hope for him that the UV swap deal happened, but I, I I'm still quite skeptical because I, I just can't see what he would bring to that team.
0: Um yeah.
3: <laughs> well uh, I mean, it's just my opinion, but you know, <laughs> never gonna be fine. I
0: mean yeah we'll just have to see on that one as well. Uh let's move then to Lyon, Lyon who played Toulouse over, on uh, Sunday afternoon and won three nil i mean obviously it's to lose 11 losses in a row for them now, so no surprise there but uh, Jeremy it's a debut goal for Carl tokoikambi
2: yeah it, it, so far so good in 2020 for Lyon. i still mm. I still think they're not playing the most amazing football in the world, but their their confidence was so low by the by the end of 2019 that um, you know, they, they just need any kind of run to get going and, and they're certainly getting that at the moment. Dembele's in really good form um, and, you know, maybe you could argue in in a way even their luck's turning because obviously be came on because of the the, the shocking collapse of, of Terrier quite early in the match and, and you know, ho- hopefully he's okay. I think I read that he's gone home but they're still sort of monitoring him um, but the fact that um, Tokoya can be managed to to come on so early, meant that you know, he was he was sort of blooded into the team probably earlier than anyone was expecting, and again they're they're sort of feeling their way. But and you know, there's as you said, it was Toulouse's eleventh defeat in a row. So I don't think anyone should get too carried away by even a three 0 win. It was still at home. It still took a while to get going, but um, things are looking like they're clicking a little bit up front or, you know better combinations between players especially considering two such important players have been ruled out for the season and and Depay and finnerty adelaide um and even in defense i think it was their, their first clean sheet since since maybe early december and you've got players like marsal who, who hasn't really hit the heights the whole time he's been in, in at Lyon looking solid enough in defense and you know even playing a big part in the second goal so that, and also Tataru who played well covering for, for Lopez. So mm. there, are, there are positive signs. I don't think there's anything to get too carried away about, but they're on a good run. They're still in both cups. Um, and if, if Ren and Marseille um, drop points as, as they did this weekend, then, then Lyon need to be in a position to, to sort of capitalise and, and um, catch up to those two further up the table.
0: Mo, does your theory that you had a th- theory about Rudi Garcia at Marseille that, um you know, when, when they reached the Europa League final, it kind of uh, overshadowed problems at the club and the way the team played and so on? Do you think the same is applying to Lyon? I mean, they've had a good start to the year, but now that they're in the Coupe de la Ligue final, is that also, are we overlooking anything that's going wrong or is there a genuine improvement?
1: Well, first of all, there is genuine improvement. And I think in any case, um, there are obviously extenuated circumstances given the fact they've lost two key starters to long-term injuries yeah. um, There's a new manager you know right in the middle of the season you know garcia hasn't hasn't come in um with a blueprint um and considering that they've stabilized the club and it's it's basically the sort of the garcia life cycle if you remember the first couple of months of om 2016 uh 17 uh, once he sort of got got you know Got to grips with the club and and the players he had at his disposal. He set about a balanced uh, formation, uh, you know, effective results, grinding out decent, uh, decent wins, and and eventually taking the club from about thirteenth to fifth, um, and then continuing on that in the following season. So I think that's exactly what he managed to do at Roma. It's exactly what he's doing at the moment. And Leon aren't you know, they aren't crazy um, amazing at the moment. Um, you know, there's there's still players that. Have have a lot to prove at the moment. He's, he's doing well in blooding the youngsters, uh, especially Cherky and, and Kakare, who are looking uh, fantastic in the first month of the new year. Um, and it's his first sort of real transfer window. So he's, you know, the, the he's still, Bruno Guimarish is, is still yet to come. Um, that seems to be 95% done. Um, and, and the cup final to look forward to. And so far in January, he's got um, you know, a, a great record. Um, and like Jeremy said. Um, only five points from Rennes now, 10 from ten Marseille. Um, but if he manages to get the club back into the Champions League, considering where they were, um, and obviously the one, the one-off Cup final that they have against Paris Saint-Germain, mm. uh, if he's able to sort of impose himself, um, then everything will be forgotten. And he's obviously done a very, very good job um, in, in saving this club um, after they were in, you know, on a downward spiral back in October.
0: Do you think the Garcia life cycle is accelerating in the same way that the Mourinho life cycle seems to be accelerating? Perhaps,
1: yes. <laughs> Third year syndrome um, come early. But, but we did say, I did say a couple of weeks ago on the set, on this podcast that they were entering a very sort of difficult period at the moment because they mm. had a very tough two tough cup games last week, um, away to Nantes and at Lille. Um and then one more against Nice um on, on Thursday. And so far they've done really, really well. Um in you know, while they haven't again looked fabulous, um, they've just got the job done and they've held on where where it was necessary, they've relied on the youngsters where necessary. Uh, the defence has come up trumps where necessary and, and they've got three wins. Um and the season now looks a whole lot better um than it's done even a month ago. So, you know, credit where it's due. Uh
0: the other goal scorers for Lyon apart from Toko Gambi were Moussa Dembele, who certainly is in form at the start of the year right now, and Maxwell Cornet, and we can only aspire for that level of success for a 200th show. Um, has anybody been keeping tabs on the Toulouse goalkeeping situation?
1: No.
2: I think um, well, Kalinich was brought in to kind of challenge challenge René, or well, more than challenge, I guess. I mean, you know, give him a sort of shock by by him being dropped to the bench um i don't think kalinic sort of covered himself in glory with this match mm. um i think he faced five shots and conceded three um probably the the second maybe was a little bit just a little bit harsh to blame him it went through him but it was from quite close range third one was a, a really well-placed shot from but certainly the first one for Kogne i think it went through his legs he should have done a lot better um and also it's it's caused um I think tensions within Toulouse. Rene didn't even want to be on the bench. I think it's really affected him. I'm not sure it's a great way to treat him. He hasn't been on I don't think he's hit his heights, but mm. um i think I think I read that he's he's sort of playing with a bit of a shoulder injury, and also he's playing for toulouse so there's only
0: so much he <laughs> can do anyway um so I, well, uh, the thing is, he was named captain a week before they brought in Kalinic. And then you know, dropped to the bench, which is uh, a bit of a. And he uh, wasn't warned that Kalinic was was coming either. So uh, I think he's unhappy with with the treatment he received there and 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 the lack of communication. I, uh, I
2: guess when, when your team's doing that badly, you need sort of I don't know some kind of electric shock treatment to to, to change mm-hmm. something. But it, it's so I mean it's only one match in, and it's not fair to to judge Kalinic on that match. But um, this one doesn't seem to have, have, have improved anything, sort of on the pitch
0: or off it. Right, uh, Julien. On the transfer side for Lyon, I think we received confirmation to, today. I think that uh, Lucas Tuzar is moving to Hertha Berlin in, in the summer. They seem to have gotten a good deal for him, huh?
3: Yeah, twenty-five million euros is, is good money um, for for Tuzar. I like Tuzar, though. I think you know. I think he's a he. Said he, he he does he does well for what he is good at um if you ask him to play in a different way, that might not work, but I think if you want um you know his defensive abilities i think I think he's, he's a good player, and I'm glad they're keeping him for six months because I think they will need him as well for the next six months, and then they can find a, a a similar player, but maybe better than him if they can find one in the in in the summer. Um, but, yeah, that deal has gone through. And like you said, for a player that they bought for, what, less than 2 million euros like uh, a few years ago at Valenciennes, he it's obviously a very good deal. Uh, and then that means also Bruno Guimares will come now once the, uh, the Brazil Olympic team has finished the, um, the Olympic qualifying tournament. So this one as well should go through uh, in the next, I don't know, 48 hours. I think, uh, uh, think Jolinho is travelling. To Colombia tomorrow, maybe for to do the medical over there. It pretty much will be done after that. And again, I think it's one that we we can get excited for Lyon to um, to get a player like him because he's. It he looks only if you look at clips of him during matches and the last two seasons that he's had in, in Brazil. It looks like a great, great prospect and and a, and a good signing for Lyon. Really,
2: my only thing with with um, Lyon is that they, they seem to be stockpiling midfielders at the moment. Um, I agree that. I, I think Toussaint gets a little bit too much stick from Lyon fans. Um, He's—I don't think anyone's pretended that he's the most sort of technical of players. And, and um, at the start of the season, it really seemed like Juninho didn't want him in the in the team then because he wasn't technical enough for his liking. So I, I think his sort of fighting spirit um, to to make a place in his in the team um, is to be admired. And um, I agree. I, I don't think. Leon should be sort of rejoicing too much that he's leaving, um, and and I think he'll he'll still prove to be valuable for the next six months. But um, yeah, with with um, you know, Mendes beginning to hit form, Kakere now now um, breaking into the first team, doing well. You've got Jean Lucas. You're going to have Guimaraes. Um I mean, uh, hopefully it's it's a, a good choice for Garcia to have next year. But there's going to be a lot of central midfielders to keep happy. I think um, in a few months' time.
0: Are they preparing for an Awar departure, possibly?
2: That's true, but he seems to be playing sort of a slightly wider at the moment, more often mm. than down the middle.
0: That's true. And and I don't know if you guys heard me. I think I might have been muted there. But I, Julien, I was asking. I wanted to ask you if you had any insight on how Atletico, on how Lyon fended off Atletico's approach for for Guimaraes. I
3: think I think Juninho needs to. Take a lot of credit. I think for the way he, he, you know, convinced Bruno Guimaraes and his and his agent and his entourage that to choose Lyon ahead of, of Atletico Madrid. I think I don't think it was the toughest of pitchers either. When you're young players from from Brazil who had had no experience in Europe to to go to Lyon and use it as a platform to then maybe get to a bigger club instead of going straight into Uh, a club like Atletico Madrid, where the pressure is bigger, where expectations are probably a bit bigger as well. And in a team that right now is not not playing well at all, where you have a feeling that it might be the end of the Simeone era, and that you're not really sure what kind of direction the club is going to go, I think, you know, you or me, or a lot of people, could have also done that pitch and Bruno Gomes said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, actually, I'm going to come to Lyon, but still, I think it's a good deal. Anderson were interested as well, and and Edu made a few phone calls uh, to see what Bruno Gimareh wanted to do, and and those deals are never really easy with you know with who owns the rights and and yeah. how much money you have to pay to who et etc. Cetera, et cetera. So I think John did well, and I, I agree. I think it was Jeremy saying, yeah, of course, they've got a lot of midfielders, um, but but I think Gimareh offers something a bit different maybe, uh, and and you will expect some to be sold as well in the summer. So if you can get him now and you've got the money and you feel like you need a bit of fresh blood because there's a few things that were not exactly working the way you want it to be, then why not? And then you can always reassess the whole position stuff and who goes and who stays in the summer.
0: Yeah, right. Let's move on then to uh, Nice 1, Ren 1. 44 shots in this one seemed quite exciting. Jeremy, should Ren be happy with a point?
2: I know that that Nice's form has been patchy this year but actually in in, in recent weeks they they've got back to to decent form I think they're unbeaten now in in five in Ligue 1. um and when when they're playing well the the alliance isn't isn't the easiest place to go um Rennes also they 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 suffered an injury do, during the match there were a couple of players who were sick Moassa had to go off um feeling sick midway through the match as well so not everything went Ren's way, um, and to 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 go a goal behind to leave it relatively late and and and, and get an equaliser in a in a difficult place like that with while when Nice's tails were up, I think is a good result, um, and it it maintains Ren's good form. It, it sends a message that even when they're not necessarily at their very best, they also had you know a couple of important players out suspended. Um, even when they're not at their best, they're still difficult to beat. So. I think it sends a strong message that then you know they're not about to to kind of lose form and, and start dropping down the table. That that they're, they're genuine challengers for for the Champions League places.
0: Do you guys think that Patrick Vieira will still be at Nice next season? Well, it depends. <laughs> it,
1: yeah, I mean it depends on just how mm. how much uh, you know they're willing to back him. I think he's got obviously his su- supporters and in, in, in the boardroom um, in Rivière and. Um, the other guy escapes me, in the name of the other. Four. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, he's got he's got supporters there. It's just about, you know, they really you know ran ramshod over the first transfer window that they had. They haven't really done much uh, in this transfer window. Um so it looks to the summer just to see how uh, much backing that he will receive. I mean, I mean, I think it's still premature to be linking Vieira to the top jobs in, in Europe. Um he's obviously had quite a lot on his plate in sort of moulding this young and sometimes um erratic uh squad um and he's doing a fairly okay job um you know it's been inconsistent at times but you know it's it's been it's been largely okay for for, for most part of the season considering what they've uh, had to sort of deal with um so it will be seeing you know what project that they'll get what direction that they will take um in the summer um and sort of i think that will dictate whether villera stays or goes
0: um, and now, and going back to Hans' perspective, um, an in- interesting story today concerning the possible arrival of Steven Nzonzi on loan from Roma. Nzonzi, uh, who uh, the only detail left to, to be negotiated apparently is uh, the way they split the wages uh, between the two clubs, who's excited for the, I was going to say the return of a world champion to Ligue 1, but he's actually never played in, in Ligue 1. I think it depends which Nzonzi you get because the, the league form seems to have been patchy for a while
2: now. If you get the the Nzonzi who who played in the World Cup final, I thought he was fantastic in that match. It was just one of those rare matches where where Conte wasn't at the races. I think it was it was a good move by Deschamps to to bring Nzonzi on for him, and he I thought he had a really excellent um, match once he came on and and nullified a lot of the 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 Croatian attacks and, and sort of settled French nerves. If, if, if Ren signed Matin's on z then, then they've, they've made a, you know, it's a really good coup and can, and really, really help that, that run to, to a Champions League place. But if it's the, the player who seems to struggle to settle at any club for any period of time, then, then
0: possibly not such a great move. I just love the way, for a player who's so tall with such long legs he has such a kind of smooth way of controlling the ball and passing it on to the next guy it's so satisfying to watch so I'm I would be very excited uh, to see him back in our league Uh, let's go through some of the other results kind of quickly Monaco suffered their first loss not their first sorry because they lost to PSG as well but uh, you know their first embarrassment I guess uh, with Robert Moreno at the head uh, they lost at home 3-1 to Strasbourg. Now, Julien, we, we've gotten a lot of questions, you know, since the start of the season about Monaco and why they've been underperforming for the past year and a half. And, you know, it's not always easy for us to fully comprehend the issues there. I was wondering if you had any insights or any maybe opinions on on, on why they tend to struggle in, in these matches.
3: I, I think that it, I think one of the difficult was was uh, Levan to start with, uh, because there was clearly a fracture between him and most of the dressing room. I think it was the right call to to let him go, and and I personally I would not have cho- chosen Robert Moreno to come in because the guy had never managed uh, in a, in, a, in a top level, well, you know, in a top flight team, let alone in a big club like. Like Monaco are. So I thought that was very risky from the beginning. I knew there was I know there was some good things in the in the draw at the private class against PSG. Uh there were also some horrible things against Strasbourg at the weekend and against PSG at the at the leader as well. I, I think he will need a bit of time if if he can make it work. And I'm still not sure if he can make it work. I'm still very skeptical, not so much about the philosophy that he has, because I you know, I think he is clearly a very intelligent guy. He's very sociable, he's very likable. All that ticks the boxes, there's no problem. I think tactically he's very astute as well and clever and and the way he wants them to play is is a good one. But I'm not sure he can actually implement his his message to the players if he has the right tools to make sure that they play the way he wants them to play and that they understand exactly how he wants them to play as well, which is the hardest bit for any manager. And especially someone like him who is one so young and two, like we said, has zero experience at all. And we saw that with Thierry Henry. I just I don't think the point was is on is on, only always on the manager, but Thierry had issues and I think Robert Moreno could also have issues with our squad. It's mm-hmm. not his squad. is they've been str- they've been struggling to um to strengthen that midfield, especially, which was the position they're looking for, and too many from border might work, might not happen, might happen between now and, and Friday. But they 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 are not in a strong position either, despite the squad that they have. And Michael, that, the, the, the last thing about Moreno is he clearly has a um, uh, a lot of faith in 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 Cesc Fabregas which I struggle a bit to see why and how and, and where. Uh, but at some point, you would have to stop playing Fabregas if he's that kind of Fabregas that we're seeing because it's mm-hmm. completely counterproductive and it's actually more hurting his team than anything else. And But again, that's how we would judge him. We would judge him if he's capable of making those big calls. Okay, I like you a lot. We're good friends. You know, you know, We come from the same background, if you want, in the same club. But but I can't play you because you're not good enough anymore. So and and I'm waiting to see if Moreno will make that call or not.
0: Yeah, he just doesn't seem up to it physically, does he, Fabregas? I mean, he just
3: gets substituted. Yeah, he never, substitute. was. yeah. Is, he never was. Even in the Premier League, he never was. He well, compensated. He compensated the lack of physicality and the lack of pace by having that incredible vision and and a wonderful rifle. But you know. I, where there's a point where the vision drops a bit and he's, he's half a second slower to, to find a path or to make, to make a decision in his head, then, then there's, there's not much going for him anymore. And that's, that will always be the problem. Unless he can recover that sort of half a second of um, vivacity, ju- just in, in decision-making, not in terms of pace, but just in terms of decision-making, which is clearly why he's lost, it's never going to work anymore.
0: Mm. And and you mentioned um, Chouameni possibly coming to Monaco. Obviously, Monaco have been quite busy in the last few days. Th- I mean, does anyone think that twenty million for Chouameni Does that sound reasonable? I-, I have to say myself. I have well, I haven't seen enough of him probably, but I'm. I don't know how good he is.
1: Well, he's you know he's an interesting midfielder. He's great in setting, um sort of sort of uh, the balls, uh, you know, head of the defense. He's. Mm-hmm. He's, he's quite powerful, he's, he's you know, really good at driving sort of the, the play going forward. I just think 20 million's a bit, it, it, it's a punt on, you know, on the risky side. Um, but I guess in the market, what you can get, um, especially, you know, when it comes to the resale value and how Monaco can mould him, although they've got quite a few midfielders um, already on hand, but, you know, how they want to use him and, and then sell him on, I think it's just the way that the market goes. Um They've probably seen something in him that we probably haven't seen for a month or two. He was really instrumental in in sort of November time, uh, mm. late October, November, when Bordeaux were really um, looking quite solid. They were third in the again at one point. Um, and he had a couple of man in the match displays uh, towards that point over the last couple of weeks. Things have tailed off, as has really a large part of Bordeaux's play. Um, and he's really been sort of... Not so much sidelined, but on the pitch, really bypassed, um, and hasn't, you know, hasn't really excelled. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how they develop that, and how uh, Robert Moreno ha- is able to mould him into a more a more complete midfield And I guess they're having an eye on just how much potential of that sort of profile can bring later on.
2: For me, it's the same thing. I think he he looks a really good young prospect at 20 million. It just seems like kind of Classic Monaco and classic other teams sort of taking advantage of Monaco and the fact that they they really don't seem to have any kind of sporting director or or rather direction at the moment. Um, you'd have thought a player like that maybe what Monaco would have tried to get something like a, a lower fee and maybe a, a sell on percentage, but twenty million seems seems a lot of money and and a lot of risk for for a player who who is doing well within Bordeaux, and as you said, he's kind of patchy, goes through very good periods, and and, and then really goes off the boil. Um, I, I possibly he is, I, I don't know enough about kind of his attitude, I think that's, that's something that maybe Monaco could do with, a, a, you know, a few players who can take matches by the scruff of the neck, I think they've got too many players like like if Fabregas, or Slimani, or, I'm sorry, not Slimani, um, uh, Golovin, or for me, even Gelson Martins, who who can be great one week and then disappear for the next month or six weeks or so. Um, if they can mold, if, as you said, if Moreno can mold Xhomin into a into a real leader in the centre of midfield, then then it could turn out to be a great bit of business. But but for now, mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of money for him.
0: In the other direction, uh, Julien, maybe if you want to comment on this. So we had the confirmation earlier today that. Uh, Jean-Kevin Augustin would be loaned, is loaned out to uh, Leeds United. And what's the situation with Islam Slimani, who wants to leave the club?
3: Yeah, I think he will leave the club. Uh, and I was told today that Monaco are looking for another striker. They don't want to spend too much money on him. Um, maybe, maybe a loan deal or a player that will be out of contract very soon, or with with a small a transfer fees so i don't know if they will be able to find someone like that i think someone like Fernando Llorente for example who who could leave napoli for for around three or four million euros might be a good option for Moreno or at least Moreno might think it's a good option to bring something a bit different than what Ben and and Balde for example and uh, can bring as as first first or second choice strikers so it would be interesting to follow i think for Slimani I mean, the honeymoon lasted for a bit and he was wonderful and him and Ben Yedder worked. Mm. I think we all knew that it was not going to last because with Slimani, he just doesn't, it doesn't last. You know, I think he's a good player, but he's not at the level of Ben there. He's not at the level of those kind of strikers anywhere. And he was good until he la- uh, while he lasted and he was always going to come to an end. And and, and I, I just think that it's probably better for him to... To, to find more game time somewhere because I don't think he would play much with, with Moreno and in the kind of 4-3-3 formation that Moreno wants to play anyway
0: maybe he should have listened to the advice of, of that barber in Algeria there was that video a couple months ago um, let, let's continue then with uh, so OM2 with Angers 0-0 uh, by all accounts one of the boring matches of the weekend and of the season in a word or so Mo are you more of the side that are you, are you upset with Angers for their uh, defensive and unambitious setup, or do you respect the effectiveness with which that plan worked? Um, I
1: don't, and I said this on Saturday as well. Um, <laughs> I th- I thought it was, I mean, the way they were set up. Yes, it was effective, but it really was very tough to sit through where they really had sort of nine or ten players behind the ball. Uh, the vast majorities of 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 the game, they had one sort of major chance. Theo who had a a really cracking shot um, just go behind Mondon's goal um but really you could just see as a as a defensive unit they weren't going to let anything pass and mm-hmm. you know Marseille at, without Payet uh, once more and really everybody could have predicted this before uh, before Saturday that without Payet without his creativity they were really finding it difficult um Maxime Lopez was deployed as a as a winger um and, you know, one thing that Maxime Lopez can do very well is is to pass the ball sideways. One thing he cannot do is drive the ball forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really sort of stifled a lot of the play going forward for OM. And the match sort of petered out into a really, really turgid uh, nil-nil draw. Um, I think on the face of it, it, it had been tricky. And Marseille had obviously uh, sort of got past that because there have been many occasions over the past year or two where teams have sort of... Claims a smash and grab victory um, at the room. Um so you know it's twelve games now without defeat for OM. Um, but you know, I guess at this particularly at this stage of the season, with Sanetti and the Bordeaux coming up very soon, uh, both away from home as well. Um, really, every point matters um, just to keep that sort of distance because it's still five points ahead of Rennes in, in third, but five points can disappear very very quickly.
0: Yes. And on to Reims-Mess, a 1-0 win for MESS. We don't talk about them that often, I guess. But since we have you on, Jeremy, what, what were your thoughts there? Uh, well, it was
2: funny the the way that you were just talking about Angers. There's there's a, a local MESS journalist who, who sent a tweet after the match. He was obviously happy with the result. But he said, if, if you Google FC MESS and uh, sitting deep, you'll probably break the Internet um it's it's similar to angers it's not necessarily great to watch but they are gradually making themselves a little bit harder to beat Um they've cut out the the silly mistakes that and especially early mistakes that were really costing them earlier in the season um dylan who a really good um signing who's kind of calmed the defense down a lot um vassal to be honest i've never been a very big fan of his but he's he's so far done a similar job in midfield just Added a, um, a little bit of 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 and experience, and as and we're still extremely reliant on Diallo, I think that this goal was his eleventh, his and and Mess have only scored nineteen in in league this season. So it shows how much we're relying on him. And certainly, if you look at the way that um, Get and Get and Nian waste opportunities at times, um, it it really puts all the onus on him. But um, you know, as, as long as he does keep finding the net and and mess find a way to to keep tight at the back, Kija is in good form in goal as well. Then um, hopefully they'll they'll just eke out enough points just to survive. And um, I think that this this match was a real bonus. And is so when you consider that mess find it so hard to score and Rasa have got such a good defence, it, it it never looked like um, one that mess were likely to win, but. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, frankly, they they probably were deserved winners in the end. Mess only had a couple of pot shots from from distance, and and it gives Mess a, a five point cushion to, um, I think, even to eighteenth place. So, um, yeah, so far it's it's been a decent start to the year, and it's the first time this season that we've strung two two wins together. So, hopefully, we can carry on. We've got a tough map. I think it's a tough month ma- month to come, and then the month after that is full of matches against relegation rivals. So hopefully we can keep that kind of cushion coming into that
0: month. And from Rennes's perspective, only nine goals in eleven matches at home this season, which is uh you know kind of worrying and also explains well also contributes to the attendance problem that they're that they have over there, I think. Uh very quickly let me go through the rest of the matches. Saint-Etienne won at home to Nîmes 2-1 with a uh, brace from Wabi Kazri. Nantes-Bordeaux. Moving scenes there as as not remembered the one-year anniversary of Emilio, Emiliano Sala's fatal accident. Um, not a great game, but Bordeaux won a late 1-0 win with, with a goal from Jimmy Briand. Montpellier 2 Dijon 1. Florent Mollet was a star there with an assist for Andy Delors and a direct free kick goal. I mean, this was Montpellier's first win against Dijon since 2011, which... Uh, it's, a, it's a, that's a long time to not be able to beat Dijon but anyways they did it now and finally Brest beat Amiens 2-1 uh, a winner from Yerven Caldona who's having a, a good season five goals and, and three assists in League 2 uh, Lorient got a late win in injury time thanks to Umut Bozok over Nancy the other goal scorer for Lorient was uh, Sylvain Marvaux obviously who played for Newcastle and has been at Lorient for a long time I think uh, so, Lorient still first, second place, Lens drew with Clermont. So, the gap is now three points. Uh, there goes from Corentin Jean and the new sensation, Adrian Gurbich, in, in that one. And uh, another piece of news interesting from Ligue 2: Franck Passy took over at Niort uh, last week, I believe. Niort, who fired their manager after the defeat to saint was the team from, from La Réunion in the Coupe de France. Franck Passy, Moe's, obviously Marseille's uh former manager what what do you think of that move for him and i should note uh that he got sent off at half time for his first match so a tough start yeah well what a
1: start that's all you can say <laughs> really um but you know i do i do quite like him you know i think he wasn't really given the rub of the green um in the game obviously considering uh sort of the managerial um you know merry go rounds and instability the clubs that he he had been working, but, you know, I, I do have fairly decent memories of someone who tried to really just keep the ship together um, as everything around him was sort of breaking apart. So mm-hmm. respect to him. And um, hopefully, you know, I guess it's either not really doing that well, but hopefully they they managed to, you know,
0: sort of come up and uh, perform, perform well. And in the women's first division, no surprises this week. Uh, PSG and Lyon scored five goals each. PSG uh, played in some mess and an uh, interesting moment with um, Marie-Antoinette Catoteau who scored a hat-trick but one of her goals did not actually cross the line uh, the shot hit the crossbar and then kind of bounced on the ground just in front of the line sort of like a reverse Frank Lampard uh, <laughs> but uh, tricked the referee so she, <laughs> that's how she got her hat-trick uh, there's no goal line technology uh, in their league just yet uh, let's finish we, up we were robbed <laughs> <laughs> Well, 5-1, you know, I don't know if it makes a huge (laughs) difference. But (laughs) Um, anyways, uh, let's finish up with some final transfer news. What do we have here? Oh, uh, Hatem Ben Arfa, after about 17 bazillion different rumours since uh, the end of last season, he has signed, well, he's arrived today at Real Valladolid. I think um, you're talking about the... the the Mourinho and Rudy
2: Garcia timeline earlier. (laughs) I think maybe Ben Arthes is like that, but a little bit shorter. I assume he'll he'll arrive, he'll be brilliant for um, the first six months or so, it'll gradually get worse and worse, and and he'll leave having fallen out with lots of people.
0: (laughs) Mm. Uh, Julien, do you have any news or opinions on, uh, let's see, the following examples? I'll let you pick Whichever one interests you more. Uh, there's a story that Jean-Philippe Mateta, the French striker from Mainz, might be going to Napoli. Uh, Enzo Loedice was loaned to Wolves. That's confirmed from, from Dijon, a young player there. Or uh, Harold Mukudi of Saint-Etienne has also been uh, linked with several English clubs. Would Have your pick. Yeah, I think Mukudi
3: is an interesting one because he was very good in Ligue 2 with Lourdes last season uh, and then went to Saint-Étienne where I believe he could have picked another club easily, even in the Premier League. And I don't know, I don't, I just don't think Puel has a good feeling about him, uh, which is strange because they will obviously lose Saliba, who is going to go to Arsenal in the summer. Mm. Uh, and, and I think Mukudi, at least on paper, has all the ability to be a, a very good defender so clearly not something not working there for Puel if he's ready to um, to let him go already and I think there will be a few clubs in England who said you know what we can do something good with him he obviously has the physical attribute to do well in England you know I think he's he's one that gets stuck in I don't think he's maybe the brightest or the most technical but I think you could always work on especially on the tactical point side of things so yeah I think that this one could be interesting and I, and I do believe I, I mean I know because I had a few phone calls of some English clubs who are looking at him and thinking do you know what we could we could do something good with him
0: do English clubs call you to ask your opinion about the player
3: some yeah some do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've wow. got this famous um, famous story I can't I can't say who the player is but he this club call and say like oh what do you think about him and I said, yeah you know I can I can I can send you like a, a detailed report about you know what what the guys uh, you know sort of habits are and you know what he does and, and how he plays as well. Although you scouts probably would have a good idea, and, and they went, ah, don't worry, we we could we could we you know we can do our own intelligence stuff like intel stuff on our own. We we don't really need you for that. I said, okay, cool, no problem. So out that the guy was smoking, they didn't know he liked partying, they didn't know his girlfriend was pregnant, they didn't know, and all the stuff. And then they said, like, "Oh, next time I think we'll ask you for a more, a more detailed sort of, like, reports on, on the players that we're looking for in in 1. So, some clubs do call and, and ask for, you know, for help or opinion. Others don't, then they do their own stuff. Sometimes it works both ways. Sometimes it doesn't work one way. I don't know, but for Mukudi, yeah, there was already a few clubs interested last year. And... And even this year, even if he didn't have the, mo- the, the best of season so far, I think there's, he's, that's the kind of profile that English club love anyway. So it was always going to have mm. some interest over here.
0: I, I didn't know you doubled up as a as a scout.
3: Uh, anything, man. Anything. Next time I <laughs> take over a club.
0: I, I hope you charge them a fee because, I mean, as as we all know in France, they have a lot more money in, in the Premier League than they know what to do
3: with. Yeah, don't worry for that. Don't worry. <laughs> <for> that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right then, um, we had a question on Twitter for you, Julien, about uh, what about English clubs? So that that's very relevant there. Benjamin asks us, what should English clubs do so that in the next decade, such superstars as like Mbappe and Neymar refuse Real or Barca and come to the Premier League? Don't you think that with all financial power, with all the financial power of the Premier League, they can't afford that kind of superstar? It's,
3: it's a good question. Um, the, the Premier League, he's is a huge, I mean, it's very, very attractive for for any superstars, the one who play in Ligue 1, but the one who, you know, play in the rest of the world. I mean, it's. I said it on ESPN last week, if if Liverpool tomorrow put a bid in for Kylian Mbappe uh, with the money that PSG would want if they were ready to let Mbappe go, Mbappe would not reject Liverpool and said, you know what, I... I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna play there. I only want to go to Madrid. That's not true. He will look into it and say, you know what, this is a very attractive proposition. I'm interested in this, and Neymar would be the same if it was Man City or you know a club like that. The fact is, apart from City and Liverpool right now, the other top clubs in the Premier League are all in transition. They're not very attractive propositions to those kind of of top players. Why would you want to go to Chelsea? Why would you want to go to United? Why would you want to go to Spurs? Why would you want to go to Arsenal right now? City and Liverpool, they're way above everyone else and they're still very attractive to a lot of players. And I still think that those clubs obviously have a lot of money to spend and they will be ready to to be able to put bids on that. So I, I still think that England and the Premier League are hugely attractive to a lot of top, top players in Ligue 1. and And historically, this is this is their, their league where Ligue 1 players usually go anyway. So it's, there's clearly a big attraction there. I'm not sure what the second part of the question was because I've forgotten. But it was I kind of the
0: same thing, actually. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but of course, Real Madrid is key, Mbappe's ultimate dream, and one day he will play there. But that doesn't mean that he would never play in England either. And and yes, Neymar probably still would want to go back to Barcelona one day, but that doesn't mean that if Top Guardiola takes his phone and says, "Hey, Ney, why don't we?" You know, why don't we never play together in Barcelona? Why don't we mm. come over and and you know we'll we have good time together? Maybe Neymar would fancy that as well. You know, it's 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 one of those where English clubs are still very attractive, not just for the money, but also for what the league is about and the atmosphere and everything. And and I think they also would be keen on top players like Mbappe and Neymar.
0: Maybe Neymar is afraid of having to play FA Cup replays against Shrewsbury, huh?
3: Although although the, although the, the pitch, he's not going to play against pool but the pitch up <laughs> is as far as the Tranmere pitch that United won on 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 Sunday as well. Mm. <laughs>
0: um and one last question here from someone called NA for uh, Mo I'm going to give you this one is Florian Tovek stuck at Marseille at the moment. Um
3: yeah
1: um I think well, essentially, I think if he was going to bag a move, it would have been last year, mm.
3: um,
1: or probably, probably after the end of the twenty eighteen uh, season, after the World Cup, um, only because you know teams have, or the sort of larger teams have sort of spurned him because of his profile. I think they they want someone a bit more fast, or a bit more creative, or or a bit more proficient. Um, which is a bit of a shame because obviously his statistics were very, very good, um, but. Last season, you sort of, you had Valencia, who maybe we were set to be enticed by around forty million euros, which I think you know Tovan and the OEM sort, of, sort of stuck their nose up and you know thinking that they could get a bit bit more, and obviously he doesn't want to go to any mid tier Premier League side who probably would be able to stump up that cash, but this season, obviously, the end this summer will be a, a big turning point because his contract ends at the end of twenty twenty one. Marseille, obviously. Don't want to let him go for free, um, so they they could eventually sell him, but nobody would come in um, for a bid higher than twenty five, thirty million. I would, you know I would imagine because of a player mm. that hasn't actually played any more than nineteen minutes this season. Um, so really, I think his futures were very much up in the air, and I don't see him at a big club. I think that ship has sailed, um, but it remains to be seen. How, first of all, how effective he is when he comes back from injury. Maybe he might put himself in the shop window, or he would just have to extend that Marseille um, around about the same contract they he has now, or maybe even a pay cut if, if they don't qualify for the Champions League. One thing's for sure, though, I don't think he's in a hurry to leave Marseille at
0: all. He seems to have a history of having, uh, you know, the opposite position on transfers than his club. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, that's all for us today for our 200th episode and here's to 200 more. Thank you, Mo, as always, for being with me here. Thank you. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you very much. And thank you, Laurent, as well, for joining Oh, sorry, Julien Laurent, for, for joining us.
3: Thank you very much for having me, boys. It was a pleasure.
0: It was great having you on. As always, for the latest French football news, you can follow us at GFFN on Twitter or News france.com. That's all from us for this week. Preview show will be out on Friday as usual, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening.